exciting because it affects the video. But let, let me, um, we're, I'm delighted Thomas is speaking this morning. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's going to be more alert and able to communicate, hopefully. Um, let's, let's just pray for Thomas. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for Thomas. I thank you for all he does and carries in this church, in this community. Thank you for his heart and passion for stirring prayer among us, for the way he um, gives everything he's got to the young people in this church and to raise and invest in them and the team around him. Lord. Thank you for his servant heart. Thank you for his faithfulness and integrity. And I pray this morning that you would put the power of your presence upon him, that you would speak through him, that we would have hearts receptive and responsive is ready to listen, willing to do something about it. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Uh, so yeah, as Paul said, my name's Thomas, and this morning we're going to be exploring uh, the important topic of time. And time as a, as a concept is a, is a strange thing, right? It's Maybe it's just me, but I'm sure that some of you will have found yourselves getting slightly stumped by the whole thing as a concept, maybe. Um, as, as someone who gets easily distracted myself, uh, I found myself often thinking about time at moments that I shouldn't really be thinking about it. Uh, and much to the amusement or frustration of my wife, I'll, get, I'll go with amusement, um, much of the, uh, much the uh, amusement of my wife, I'm going to go with that, I would have agreed to do the dishes, say, maybe at some point, and then 20 minutes later, the dishes aren't done, and instead I've managed to fall down this rabbit hole of my own thoughts about time. Doesn't happen too often, don't worry. Uh, but don't worry, I'm not planning on taking you down the rabbit hole with me today. Uh, so instead, what I'm going to do is we're going to have a look at how God views time. And my hope is that as we explore the subject, uh, this morning, it will inspire us to use our time and in a way that honors God, in a way that brings his kingdom. We've all had different experiences of time, especially during these last two COVID years. Uh, I've had conversations with some people that have felt they've had more time, that, they're, uh, that they've been able to uh, take up hobbies. They've been freer, maybe, done DIY projects, read books, watched a lot of Netflix, maybe. Uh, all of a sudden, people had time to do things that they didn't have before. Maybe this was the case for some of you today here. Others, on the other hand, may have felt that they actually had less time. Whether it was homeschooling, being busier at work, if you've been a key worker, that might, might have been you. Longer hours at home, working, without being able to switch off. Now, if you were in the first group, you may feel like you've had a taste of having time to yourself. And now things are picking up again and you're maybe more guarded about your time, feeling a desire to keep, uh, to keep picking up again, uh, uh, to keep something from what you've, you've been through and not just go back to what was. If you have, for the most part, felt in the second group, then maybe you feel that this is a season that has taken more of your time than you wanted. And moving forward, you may feel as though 
you've been through such a busy period of time that you need to also guard your time, take control of your day, and fight against the constant demands that are being put on your, s on, on your time. Circumstances in, in our life uh, change throughout these, uh, have changed throughout these last two years. But it's interesting that for both groups of people, whether you want to keep something you experienced at the start of the pandemic, or you are tired of the busyness and just want to protect your time. Both groups have reached a similar conclusion, right? But by different paths. We all believe that time is our own. And I believe this notion that we have, this is a notion that we've all had, but the pandemic in different ways has exacerbated that belief. So if you've had more time, you may have felt more in control, enjoyed making decisions on what to do, and have this sense of time as your own has just increased. And if you've had less time, you've, felt, you've been left felt feeling that the pandemic has taken that from you. It's your time, right? You're protective of it. And no one is going to have a say over it now. So again, reinforce this idea, time is our own. As we go through life, there are natural moments where we are forced to reevaluate our time. For example, when, they have, well, when you have school holidays, leaving education, entering the working world, changing your job, uh, entering a new relationship, becoming a parent, retiring. The pandemic in a very unique way has forced all of us to reevaluate our time. Every single one of us. And this isn't a bad thing in itself, but we have to ask ourselves the question, what has been our point of reference? What have we used to evaluate our approach to time? You see, the danger we all face is that as we reevaluate time without looking to Jesus and the Bible, we may miss some of the fullness of life that Jesus offers us. We may end up using time in a way that doesn't fully honor him, perhaps even waste our time. Hopefully it won't come as a surprise that the Bible has a lot to say on the subject of time. So today we're going to go through a few thoughts to help us uh, reach a biblical perspective on time. And the points build on each other, so try to stay with me. I'll summarize as I go and, yeah, promise it's not a rabbit hole. Um, first point I want to make today is that time is not our own. Surprise, surprise. Uh, I think that this is an important one to get our heads around because everything and everyone around us is telling us otherwise. Just think about it for a moment. Time isn't ours. We can't control it. We can't manipulate it. We can't create it or destroy it. Have you ever tried to make time go faster or slower? I know I have. I remember looking at the school while at school, at another school, at the clock while at school, uh, and especially that hour before going to going back home, uh, I'm looking at it, I'm like, speed up, speed up, speed up. Um, didn't work. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's done that, hopefully. Uh, but time is unaffected by our desires. We don't even have a say on when we live. Life just starts. That's the way it is. So you may be thinking, all right, if time is not my own, then whose is it? And to best answer this, uh, we're going to head to the first book of the Bible. Uh, on the first page, it says in Genesis these words. I'm sure most of you recognize them. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
we see that God creates heavens and earth, which essentially is a way to say God created a space to house all the rest that was to come. The chapter then goes on to talk about all the things that God created to fill this space. We have light and darkness. We have land and water, plants, celestial bodies, creatures, and finally human beings. But the key word for us today is beginning. In the beginning, God created heavens and earth. You see, he doesn't just create space for his creation. He also places them in time. In that word beginning, there is an implication that everything that's created from that point of onwards happens within time. Everything I mentioned, land, water, animals, they weren't created outside of time, but within time. So we have space, matter, and they are created in time. Time is the structure and the framework in which those things are created. God created time. He is the author. Time began because of him. Time is not ours. It's his. And this is a really important point. Leading on from that, if time is his and not ours, then we need to know how God views time. What's his perspective on it? What is God's perspective on this framework that we have and that we've been created into? So our second thought today is God's perspective on time. See how we're building. The Apostle Paul gives us some insight into this, uh, this perspective that God has uh, of time. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 13. And I encourage you to open your Bibles if you have one uh, and find Romans 13. We're going to start at verse 11. And we'll jump around a bit throughout the talk, but we're going to come back to this verse uh, a few times. So let's read it together. So just Romans 13, verse 11. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And we'll leave it there for now. Paul is writing to us to help us understand the present time. He describes that we are what we are to do in the present time as the hour that has already come for, for you to wake up from your slumber. When he says the hour has already come, he is referring to the fact that Jesus has already come on earth, lived, died, and been raised. The hour has already come means Jesus has already come. And in this present time, the time after Jesus' death and resurrection, we are now able to wake up from our slumber. This means that we are to live full and vibrant lives for God. We are to shake off slothfulness, sin and apathy and be fully alive in Jesus. And why? What is the reason that Paul gives us to wake up from our slumber? Well, he goes on to say it's because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Here Paul is referring to Jesus' second coming, right? Jesus' second coming is nearer now than when Paul's readers first believed. And certainly for us today, 2,000 years later, Jesus' second coming, or his salvation, is even nearer than ever before. And this helps us understand a little bit about how God views time. Here's another way of explaining it. God, who is outside of time, creates time and places in creation. We've talked about that. He then creates time 
uh, he then comes into time himself, sorry, as Jesus at his incarnation. Jesus lives, dies, and is resurrected and starts a new era of time, or in other words, his kingdom. And then he tells us that there's a time to come that we are to look forward to, a time that we are to wait for, a time that when he comes back, he will bring his kingdom more fully. Time then is split up into time before Jesus, time after Jesus' first coming, which is where we are now, and then the time when Jesus will return. So from God's perspective, time revolves around Jesus. So when we think of time in our day-to-day lives, we often tend to uh, think we prepare and work towards life events, right? Such as Christmas or when the holidays start, we will... Uh, when we'll see ne- family next, uh, or you know, you think about the time that you have left until you, the weekend, about future events like getting a new job, having children, or maybe you think about when your children are going to leave home, maybe um, about your retirement, whatever it is for you. You're thinking about time in those kind of ways. But God's perspective of, t- of time is so different. And I'm not saying that God doesn't care about all that stuff that I just mentioned now, but his perspective on time is so much bigger. God's perspective of a time revolves around Jesus and his kingdom. The kingdom he started and the kingdom that he will bring fully when he returns. So we need to keep coming back to this perspective. Throughout our lives, every day, we need to come back to this kingdom perspective. And you may be asking, why? Why is it necessary for us to have God's perspective on time? Well, I believe that the perspective we have on time will change what we do with our time. Our perspective of time changes our priorities. It changes our focus. It changes how we use our time. And this is hugely important for us in our discipleship as Christians. To live like Jesus, to be more like him, we have to view time the way he does. And I I believe that this morning God is inviting us all to make a change in the way we think about time to better align our views with his view on time. So we've had a look at God's perspective on time, and now how does having God's perspective on time uh, that revolves around Jesus affect my life? What would it look like? What does it mean? God views time today, our present time, as one where his kingdom has started, but not yet come in its fullness. What does that mean? God views, uh, uh, God views this time, this present time, in that way. And as a result of that view, he presents to us that our main focus in this present time is one of seeking his kingdom first. Seeking his rule and reign to be ever more present in the here and now. You see, as time was created by God, surely it is something that he defines. The creator defines the object and the use of said object. Imagine for a moment that you have a chair before you. I believe you're sitting on one. We can all imagine it. We've got it there in our mind's eye. You know what the intended use is because of how it's made. The person that made it is the person that came up with the, the usage, right? So even though if you have a child or if you've seen a child, 
uh, they may think it's a trampoline at times, but it's not, is it? And even though they may want to use it in that way, that is not why and how the, the purpose behind what it was created for. The chair, the chair was, be, was used to be sitting on it in a certain way, and I can tell you all got it down to a T. You're, <laughs> you're doing well. Don't have to have an awkward conversation with anyone. <laughs> and in a similar way, right, God created time. Discuss that. If time was created by God, then he defines our use of time. He defines our focus, and his main focus for this present time that we're in is one of seeking God's kingdom first. So our third thought is God's main focus for the present time is seeking his kingdom first. We know that time is not ours but God's. His perspective on, t on time revolves around Jesus and his kingdom. And as a result, our main focus has also got to be to seek his kingdom first. In Matthew 6.33, uh, I'll read this quickly. Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This view of our present time has a profound effect on how we live. The way we are to live now is by seeking more of God's kingdom here on earth, knowing that it will be here in fullness when Jesus comes again. It's something that has been entrusted to us. We have this task of bringing God's kingdom here on earth, but this is something that we can find hard to do. It's a focus that is, is difficult to have. We struggle to look beyond ourselves. This is something that is, we all struggle with. We're too focused on our life right now. And again, this can be because we struggle to view time in the way that God views it. Seek first the kingdom of God. This verse is found in the passage where Jesus is telling his disciples uh, not to worry about life. In Matthew 6, 25 to 34, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? And Jesus goes on to tell his listeners uh, how you know, they should look at the birds, how they are fed, how the flowers grow by provision from the Father. And he reassures them that their lives are even more valuable than those of birds and grass. And he, he then goes on to say in verse 32 onwards, for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is showing us uh, that one of the reasons we find it hard to put the kingdom of God first is because of worry. And who doesn't worry? We worry about our lives, our finances, how we are going to put food on the table. We are concerned with our clothing, our house, our livelihoods. These are the things that we, we need, of course. But Jesus tells us not to worry about these things, but to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the rest will be given as well. And this is why viewing time the way that God sees it is so important. If we don't have a mindset that Jesus is coming back and that we are heading towards a new heavens and a new earth, 
then it's different, isn't it? All of a sudden, if we don't think that, it makes a lot of sense to accumulate security, wealth, enjoyment, fulfillment, to put yourself first. It's actually logical to do these things if we have that mindset without God's perspective on time. So for us right now, this might mean that rather than seeking the things that give us security in this world or establishing ourselves on earth through things like status, wealth, even a relationship or a spouse, above all things of this world, we are to prioritize the kingdom of God. When we know that Jesus is coming and that his kingdom is coming in fullness, we know that the time will come, uh, the, com- the time to come will be so much better than what we experience right now. We don't fool ourselves into thinking that we need to live our best life right now. It often doesn't work that way anyway. Not for everyone. If we place our hope in this life, it often doesn't work. Sorry. If we place our hope in this life, we will be let down. Because the time that we're in isn't perfect. There is pain. So we don't worry about our life. That isn't our priority. God will take care of it. God will look after us. So having this kingdom mindset in our lives right now, it frees us to not worry. To not worry about the future, but to focus on extending God's kingdom in the here and now. So our third point, God's main focus of our time is to seek his kingdom first. And following on from this, it's important that we we get on to the task of seeking the kingdom of God now. It's important we do it today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, or in a few years' time. You know, once I've got my life sorted, it's always in the future. God wants us to embody righteousness and extend his kingdom right here, right now, today. In James chapter 4, verses 13 to 16, it says... Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes And all such boasting is evil. It's a tough one, that, isn't it? Why is the moment that we have before us so important? Because we don't know what the future will bring. Who of us thought a couple of years ago what these last two years were going to be, right? We don't know that there will even be a tomorrow. James says that we are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes, and that is a really humbling thought. It highlights another important concept about time. And this is our fourth thought. Time is limited. I think we're particularly bad at grasping this. We assume that we will have all this time somewhere in the future to do what we want to do, to do what we think we should do. And as someone who is prone to procrastination... I do this a lot. I put off tasks for another time. You heard about the dishes. Making the assumption that the other day that I planned to do that will come. But we cannot presume on time. 
And this is a mindset that I've been learning to grasp over the past few years. Um, I remember in the, in the early days of uh, my relationship with, uh, with Hetel, uh, we would discuss and have conversations about what our hopes were, our dreams for the future, planning, making decisions, of course, uh, of what may come. Uh, and Hetel would be laying out the options. She's a planner, I'm not. Uh, for the next steps in, in her life, in her future. So, for instance, it might be you know, around her job. And always, without fail, one of the possibilities, and I say possibilities like this because I'm still not quite okay with this, she would mention one of the possibilities was death. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> it's morbid, right? So she'd be saying, I could do this, I could do that, or, you know, I might die. And this really actually upset me. I didn't, I, I still don't like it, but it's fine. Um, but I, I would challenge her. And, and the thing is, I, I've come to realize that she had actually trained her mind to think like this. And the reason is because she knew that as such a future-oriented pe uh, pe person, she had to train her mind not to presume on tomorrow and instead remember to live today. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So we can't presume that we'll have time in the future to extend God's kingdom. Even if our intentions are there and they're good intentions, we can't presume on them. We can't think that we'll start prioritizing God's kingdom tomorrow, next month, next year. When life is easier, maybe less busy because that time may never come. And instead, we need to remember that God wants to use us here and now. So forethought, time is limited. And if we have a limited time, and we don't know how much of it we have, how much of it has been given to us, then time matters, right? Specifically, what we do with time matters. It matters a lot. Ephesians 5 verse 15 says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And this passage says that we should live making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And in essence, Paul is saying in this letter to the Ephesians that we should make this time that we have count. That we should partner with God to see the kingdom come. And the reason for this is simple. It's because the days are evil. And we look around us, and this is something that we, we, we black out sometimes, but we are aware of it. There is evil in the world. There's brokenness. You just have to turn on the news for a few minutes or check on BBC or whatever news thing you look at. Um, things aren't right. You see, there's hunger. There's homelessness. There's family breakdown. There's poverty, mental health illness, physical disease. Things aren't the way it's supposed to be. And our response 
is to make the most of every opportunity. So that's our fifth thought, make the most of every opportunity. And we've seen that time is, is God's, his perspective revolves around Jesus and the kingdom. Our focus in this present time is to seek the kingdom first, but our time is limited, so we need to make the most of every opportunity. That's the train of thought. You're still with me? You're good. And I believe there are a few different ways that we can do this to make the most of, of every opportunity. So we're going to break it down into two parts, uh, the kingdom within and the kingdom outside or around us. So firstly, we make the most of every moment to, uh, by inviting God's rule and reign into our own lives. And this is bringing the kingdom within. Earlier, we read this passage on Romans 13 to help us understand God's perspective on time. Uh, and we're going to read a little bit further on now. So a little bit further on in this passage, it helps us show this new point. So if you still got it there, uh, we're going to carry on a little bit further up to verse 14. And I'll read 11 again. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So, the so is an important word. Note the word so, because, because of the time we're in, the time between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' return, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing in drunkenness, not in sexual uh, immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. So as a result of viewing time the way that God views it, we need to invite God's kingdom into our lives in every moment. And we do this by putting on the armor of light or clothing ourselves in Jesus. And this is a constant, daily, conscious decision. Every day when you get up, you make the decision to put on your clothes. You've done well with that as well today. So everybody, every day, we have this, this, this consciousness. We put on clothes. And what Paul is saying in, the, in, this, in, in this letter is that Putting on the armor of light, clothing ourselves with Jesus is also a conscious thing. We clothe ourselves in his way of living. Uh, and in fact, sometimes this is a moment by moment thing. We do it in our lives, not just in the morning before we, you know, before we start the day or, you know, before we go to bed. But it's a decision that you make every moment. And using Paul's examples, uh, it's the decision that you make in the moment to not be jealous of a colleague, not to order another alcoholic drink, not to be sexually immoral. We invite God's rule and reign into our lives. We clothe ourselves in Christ in every moment. So we're making the most of every opportunity to be and to become more like him. And these aren't just any clothes. Oh no. This is the armor of light. And it's fair to say that we need armor. 
we need this armor that is Jesus. We need him and to be clothed with him and wear him like an armor because we're in a battle. I'm sure for some of us, it feels that way sometimes, right? God is constantly inviting us to make the most of every opportunity in our lives. Whereas the enemy is constantly trying to distract, to discourage, to tempt, to keep us away from using each moment well. So we clothe ourselves in this armor and make the decision, aided by the Spirit, to live well, to make the most of every opportunity within. Secondly, we make the most of every opportunity, inviting God's rule and reign around us. We've sorted ourselves with inside, but it's not, it doesn't stay there. It's to go outside. We bring his kingdom to our surroundings, outside of ourselves, to the people we are with. Our new focus is to be outward looking, as Jesus was in all that he did. And I want to go back briefly to that verse that we just looked at a minute ago. In, verse, uh, in the first verse, uh, it says, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Now at the beginning, when it says, and do this, what is being referred to is easy to find out if we look back a little bit. So we're going to go to verse 8. And what Paul is essentially saying and what he's talking about is loving others. Verse 8 onwards says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are all summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And isn't that amazing? Paul encourages his readers to love others in this present time, right now. And when we understand the time that we're in, that it's limited, that what we do with this time matters, and that the time when Jesus is going to return is nearer every day, then we start to feel this urgency. And it's a good urgency. An urgency to love others, to extend his kingdom, and to share it with others. When we clothe ourselves with Jesus, we carry his presence with us. We start to see others with Jesus' eyes. We start to love people. We love the person next to us. We naturally seek to invite God's rule and reign in the lives of those around us. So we start doing the things that Jesus did. We seek the kingdom opportunity in every moment because there isn't a moment to lose. I love what Paul was saying uh, last month. Not this Paul, this Paul. Um, it's confusing, isn't it? Um, about doing those plus one moments, looking for those moments in our day-to-day -day lives to plus one someone. So you start to think to yourself, if God's rule and reign were here and it were to come in greater measure and be more of a reality right now, what would it look like? What would change? And knowing that you carry Jesus' presence and that you are clothed with him, what can you do 
in this moment to extend his kingdom? What are the kingdom opportunities that you have? Maybe it's through an encouraging word to someone at a store, or maybe it's forgiving someone who has hurt you. Perhaps you can meet someone's needs, or maybe change the culture of your workplace, or perhaps it's your family raising your children in love. Maybe it's about being a person of peace. Maybe it's about being an encouragement or an encourager in your neighborhood, especially in your neighborhood WhatsApp group. If you're in one of those groups, you'll know what I mean. I've never seen so many messages about misfitting collections and stuff like that. It's not good. But seriously, though, um, being a voice of peace in those moments can really change things. It could be advocating for justice, doing your job well, seeking to help those who are last least in society. But we are not just looking for kingdom opportunities, but with every decision we make in our lives, we can make a conscious choice to make the most of our time here on earth, to bring a little more of God's kingdom, his rule and his reign into being. These decisions aren't always easy and they actually can be really costly. It involves sacrifice. If you want to spend more time to serve uh, your family or your community, then you might have to pass up on that promotion at work that demands more hours and inflexible working. It may be that you make a choice to support an organization or uh, you know, we're financially safe, for example. Bringing kingdom change in an area that, uh, that God has placed on your heart. And as a result, you might pass up on flying abroad for your holiday. For me, part of this decision uh, this decision-making process of seeking to put God first uh, and his kingdom first in my life meant that I currently work part-time as a nurse and I believe that I bring part of God's kingdom into reality in that way and I also extend God's kingdom by uh, serving the church, by leading youth and prayer ministries here and serving the vineyard movement in an area of church multiplication. Neither is more important than the other. I serve, I look for opportunities to plus one those around me by loving and serving them in both areas. And I confess that even though I may not look it, I'm now 30, three weeks away from 31. This last year has been tough. Is this God? Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, and I've always worked part-time. This is the, that's the confession, not that I'm 30. Um, I've always worked part-time, and I've always served my local church on my days off. And this is something that plenty of people have something to say about. Because, you know, what about your career progression? Or saving for a house, or supporting your family? These are your most productive years. Save now, live later. But actually for me, for the kingdom, it's right. And it won't look like this for everyone, of course, but we can all make choices in our lives that enable us to show God's kingdom and to make it more of a reality here and now. So what are the decisions that you can make for God's kingdom to be more of a reality? And as I said previously that these 
uh, what are these opportunities that you have every day that you can make the most of to invite God's kingdom into the lives of those around you? It's not just about us, remember? So we make the most of every opportunity by bringing the kingdom within and the kingdom outside. And just to say, this includes coming to faith, putting your faith in Jesus, making a conscious decision to put your trust in him, welcoming his rule and his reign in your life right now in this moment. And God's, God's given us the privilege of knowing him through the person of Jesus. He's made that available for you and I today. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Jesus calls us, all of us, to follow him. He wants us to invite him into our lives, to clothe ourselves in him, to do the works of his kingdom through us today. If you do not know him, Know that today he is calling you, inviting you to put your trust in him, inviting you to allow him to transform your life. And it's today, not tomorrow, not next week. The time that we have right now is the only time we can presume to have. We do not know what will come tomorrow. Now is the time that we have to make these decisions. So it may be that you're here today and you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time and I really encourage you to make the most of this opportunity and say yes to him today. Or it might be that you've been a Christian, you've put your faith in Jesus for a long time now and today God is inviting you to reconsider how you view time, to see things again from God's perspective. Time is his, it's not ours to seek the kingdom first because of the present time that we're in between the two comings of Jesus. To remember that your time cannot be presumed upon and therefore make the most of every single opportunity. I encourage you to say yes to the Holy Spirit's promptings today. Don't harden your hearts to him. So we're coming towards the end now. So far today, We've looked at how time is God's. We've examined his perspective on it, and we've spent time looking at what this means for our lives today to make the most of every opportunity for him. And you may be thinking that all this seems just like a lot of stuff to do, that a lot rests on me. But I want to leave you in a place of hope because God's perspective on time ultimately is one that gives us hope. As human beings, we find ourselves often fascinated in wanting to know the future. Predictions are made about things ranging from the, re the weather to the economy. And so many people in society uh, turn to all sorts, from card readers to horoscopes, to, to attempt to glimpse at their futures. But as followers of Jesus, we can rest assured because we know the hope that is to come. The hope we have with God's perspective of time is that we know where time is headed. We are expectant for the moment when Jesus returns and brings his kingdom fully with him. 
he will fulfill his promises. We know that there will be a time when death, evil, and sin will be destroyed forever. And this gives us hope. This is such good news. Our world really needs to hear this news. In our modern society, where many have attempted to put their hope in humanity, they put their hope in the progress of humanity towards a better future through technological progress, economic growth, moral improvement. But pollution, wars, famine have shaken that hope for many. That hope for many of us no longer stands. And, and this made me laugh. Even astrophysicists can only offer two alternative futures. And I, I do, it's a long way in the future, this, but yeah. Astrophysicists, so universe, stars, all that stuff. I don't profess to know this stuff, but it was a good quote. Either, either a universe, they can only plan out two futures, essentially. Either the universe expands forever and ultimately cools to an absolute zero and suffers something called a heat death, which sounds horrible, or one that eventually collapses in it on itself in what they call a big crunch. And I wouldn't want to be there for that either. At the end of it all, without Jesus, it doesn't look hopeful for us. In an era obsessed with the present and disillusioned with the future, hope remains the most attractive feature of our faith and of, the, of God's perspective on time. A Christian perspective on, on time is full of hope. A hope that rests on the shoulders of Jesus himself. And because of that, it is a hope that is secure and certain. A hope where we can wait with confident expectation for God to complete all that he has begun. So why don't we stand right now and welcome his presence.